Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Med School Minutes podcast, where we discuss what it takes to attend and successfully complete a medical program. This show is brought to you by St. James School of Medicine. Here is your host, Kashik Gua. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for tuning back into the uh, second episode of Med School Minutes, where we talk about everything MD with a focus on the international student, specifically the Caribbean. My name is Koshik Guha. I'll be your host. And today we have a very exciting topic to talk about. We are going to be talking about the ECFMG 2024 accreditation rule change, what that is, how that affects you, does it affect you at all, and what this means. This is a very, very important change. And in general, I think this is a very exciting time to be a part of uh, the Caribbean Medical School Administration in general, because I think with these rule changes, these are more in line with making things better. But I have two experts here with me today who are going to give us their two cents as to what they think, how these changes affect us in general, how it affects the individual students, and how it affects IMG perception as a whole in the United States. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce uh, Mr. Maharaj Mitra. He's the Vice President of Administration at St. James. And I also have Sherry Rodriguez, who is in charge of Registrar Services at St. James School of Medicine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So before I start, uh, I'm going to ask you, Raj, can you tell us a little bit about what the ECFMG 2024 accreditation rule change is. Absolutely. First of all, Koshik, thank you for having me. Um, been with St. James for about 14 years, so been in this business for quite some time. And this is something we encounter on a regular basis. So first of all, with ECFMG, the Educational Commission for Foreign Medical Graduates, they have restrictions on what medical schools can and cannot do. All right. So quick interjection. So what exactly is ECFMG? Sure. So ECFMG, think about them as a gatekeeper, right? So in the U.S. system, in the Canadian system, you have what's called the LCME. So the LCME regulates what medical schools can and cannot do. In the foreign market, up until this point, it was kind of like, I don't want to say the wild, wild west, but that's kind of exactly what it was. And schools, you know, since the early 70s, there are so many medical schools that just kind of came into the scene in the Caribbean. And across the globe, I mean, there was a projection in 2010, there was about 2,100 medical schools. That number escalated to about 3,200 come 2018. And I can only imagine that number's got to be even higher at this point. So if you have this many medical schools operating internationally, there's got to be some checks and balances, right, to kind of make sure that these schools are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And that is exactly what ECFMG does. They're the gatekeeper making sure that the education across the U.S. and Canada is at par with any international schools that are coming into the market. So if these students are going to be kind of taken into the U.S. market, we have to make sure that they understand the material equivalent to everything else that's available in the U.S. and Canadian market. Okay. And that's kind of their responsibility, making sure. And that – sorry. So what exactly does the 2024 accreditation rule – Mean Yeah. Like, so 2024, which used to be in 2023. So I'm assuming because of COVID, it got pushed back to 2024. So what that rule says is that medical schools in the foreign market, so these are the ones we're talking about, those 3,200 plus, they have to comply with what's required to kind of put these students into the U.S. scene. So what that means is that in the Caribbean, 
I'm just gonna, I, I, you know, excuse me. I keep saying the Caribbean because obviously that's where I know our industry. When I say Caribbean, I'm talking about foreign medical schools, and that's worldwide. So what that means is our students essentially would have to meet the criterias that a U.S. school as well as a Canadian school has to meet. And that's kind of where ECFMG is kind of stepping in and making sure that these schools are what's going through the process of an accreditation. So accrediting bodies are out there, and there's only a certain number of accrediting bodies that these schools could be accredited through. In the Caribbean market, there are, you know, for our purposes, we have CAMHP and ACCM. And also in certain cases, there's also NBAO. These are all accrediting bodies. And these accrediting bodies are also certified by what's called WIFME. And so essentially, you know. So, so what is WIFME? So it's the World Federation for Medical Education. So what that means is that they establish accreditors to accredit different medical schools. Okay. In our region, these are the jurisdictions for the Caribbean. We are under CAMHP and ACCM. Across the world, in different parts of the areas, there are different accreditors for that. But they're all with me accreditors. So essentially what that uh, ECFMG rule is kind of going back to is saying that, you know, these students would have to be coming from a school that's accredited by a with me accreditor come 2024. Otherwise, their education that they're receiving at a school would not allow them to be certified for the step once. Okay. So, Sherry... Uh, here's a question for you. With the rule change, uh, what what happened before the rule change? Could anybody just take the USMLE? No, I mean, they did have standards. Currently, what it is is that the school must be recognized by the appropriate government authority in the country in which they're located, and students then must be able to practice in that country. So that's what it is currently. So not okay. just anyone. It does have some sort of regulation right now. Um, but come 2024, that changes entirely. Okay. So um, from your experience, and I know you've dealt with St. James for like several years, um, and and you've been in different capacities helping students out, um, have you ever come across a school that is not necessarily recognized by the local government? Not in our dealings. Okay. So, so it seems like this is a pretty big step, a big change. It's not something that, oh, you know, you have to have an extra form of ID. It's definitely not that run-in-the-mill kind of a rule. It seems like this will change the entire dynamic for the Caribbean medical education, right? Yeah, absolutely. This is kind of holding these schools, their feet to the fire, essentially, right? Because they're making sure that these schools are doing the right things. And at the end of the day, it's for the consumers, right? Which is the students. There's a wealth of, you know, information available to the student now. Now they can easily, this thing that we have in our hands, our, our smartphones is the smartest tool that we have. And it takes a couple of minutes for now students to kind of recognize what programs are right for them and what program's going to give them what they're requiring. And ultimately it's to become a physician. And unless you're selecting those schools that are accredited by 2024, it's a big waste of money and time for these students, essentially, is what it comes down to. Okay. Um, from from your perspective, both of your professional perspectives, are there schools in the Caribbean that aren't accredited? Oh, geez. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, so so from- I could, I could kind of give you a little bit more light on that. So I, I speak to students when they're going through the process of selecting some of these other schools. And a lot of these times, they choose schools that are not accredited, unfortunately. So- you know, it's interesting because these schools will use tactics that does just not just make any sense. They tell students a wealth of random nonsense to kind of get them to apply. 
And to a student's perspective, right, if the school leads with financial benefits, that should be a huge red flag off the bat. You should be kind of like, you know, getting your guards up, making sure that's not how the school is kind of enticing you to come and join the program. So when I speak to these students, they are all kind of looking into the financial aspect because they had, you know, deep discounts and things like that. But they're kind of focusing on the money aspect and not the education aspect. So I kind of, you know, steer them back to the education side and tell them that, you know, you need to kind of ask these tough questions to these schools. Are they in line to be accredited by 2024? What steps have they taken to be accredited by 2024? And, you know, when they reach out to the schools with these more tougher questions, their answers are just kind of like, oh, we're accredited by ECFMG. ECFMG does not accredit schools. So I kind of go back and tell them that's not true. Why don't you ask them, you know, which accrediting body that's uh, approved by the WIFME is actually in charge of this. And nine out of 10 times, they find out that they haven't even started the process. So it's kind of very interesting. Wow. So what percentage of Caribbean medical schools do you think are not accredited? That's a tough one. See, I would not know exact percentages, but I would think that, you know, with the number of schools out there, I would say as a rule of thumb, look at schools that have been established for quite some time now. So a lot of these schools started back in the 70s, 80s. Some of them came and joined around in the 90s and 2000s. And if these schools that are in the 2000s to like, you know, mid 2000s, if they still have a strong student population, you know, they're doing the right things. And if you go to CAMHP and ACCM's website, again, I'm just referring to the Caribbean region we belong to. They have a website dedicated to these schools and they tell you exactly who's accredited and who's not. It's as simple as just checking those sites. So, Sherry, from your experience, is there anything that the students can do uh, to verify whether what the school is telling them is the truth or not? A simple web search. All they have to do is put in the accreditor's name that the school is providing them, and they'll okay. find out from that direct website whether the school is actually accredited or not, has been before and lost it or, or in different stages. So the websites are very transparent. All they have to do is a quick search, a couple clicks, and they can find it, no problem. Okay. And is it uh, difficult to, say, reach out to a, an accrediting body or if they need to in person? Or is it something like Comcast where you send them an email and you're never going to hear back? Historically speaking, from my own experience, when you go to the website, they, they usually do have a contact us function. So okay. you're communicating directly with them and you will get some sort of response. Okay. Well, that's good to know. So. Um, does with the ECFMG 2024 accreditation rule change, does that affect St. James students at all? Not at all. Since we are already accredited, it changes absolutely nothing for our students. Okay. It will only affect students who are going to those schools that are unaccredited. Okay. And so if a student is in an unaccredited school, what would your advice be today? I strongly advise them to pretty much evaluate where they want to go in life if they really want to be a practicing physician as well, because um, that can only happen with an accredited school, especially as an IMG student. Okay. And should they potentially transfer? Or should they stick to their guns and be like, hey, you know what, I'm going to get this done? Um, what exactly happens? So according to the rule, it seems like anybody who doesn't graduate, not graduate, but finish the co required coursework before 2024 cannot be certified for step one means there is does that mean that their medical education is completely done in the united states they have to go to timbuktu to practice medicine pretty much yeah okay. um if they do not go to a school that's accredited by the 2024 deadline any of their education pretty much is null and void 
Okay. So I do, if they're serious about becoming a physician, I do strongly advise that they do go to an accredited school, St. James or, or whatever suits them. Okay. Well, that's good to know. And um, so when you look at um, this particular rule change, why is it such a big deal? Like, I mean, everyone's talking about this 2024 rule change. This is probably the most comprehensive change in um, IMG education since IMGs, you know, started coming into the U.S. probably sometime around the 60s. But why is this such a big deal? I don't, I don't understand. It's not even it. a big deal. This is a huge deal. And okay. this is why. So if you think about this, right, like now these students are coming into a program. They're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars, time, effort, all of that, right? And they're going into a program that essentially has the risk. So basically, you're rolling the dice here, and you have the potential of having this program that you're going to not be accredited by 2024, which means that when you're going for a residency, your school essentially doesn't exist. So that's why it's a huge deal. You, the school you just went to has put all that money, all that effort, and typically these schools that you're going to gave you some you know, discounts and things like that. But forget about the money for a second. It's the time. It's the sacrifices, Right. You put in all that effort to go to medical school. The day before your residency interview, you find out your school doesn't exist. Imagine putting yourself in that situation. What is that like? That's why this is a huge deal. So so essentially, if you're not accredited, you don't exist to the ECFMG. That's what the ECFMG you don't even pull is. Up. You don't even pull up. So residency director doesn't even know you actually went to a program. Oh, wow. Yeah, correct. And, and I just want to note that this is something that's been going on for well, by the time the rule comes into effect, 14 years. They started this back in 2010. Okay. It's a, it's part of a four-phase program that they're really trying to implement this. So it's been given time and dedication for schools to really adhere to the accreditations as well. Right. I mean, 14 years is a lifetime. Like, I mean, you know, we've St. James has been around for 20 odd, 22 odd years now. And, uh, you know, that's definitely ample time. It's definitely not something that you know, has blindsided, shouldn't have blindsided any of the administration of any of these schools. I mean, I know for a fact now that a lot of the accreditors are, are a little quote-unquote overwhelmed because there's this flurry of last-minute applications by schools. But it definitely seems like people who are on top of it should have been on top of it and everyone should have been accredited by now. Shed some light about this situation that everyone's saying that this was supposed to be in effect in 2023 what happened here? Like, why did they delay it? I mean, are there any changes in the residency application or anything like that with this? Um, in short, just like everything else in the world, coronavirus. Okay. That is that is exactly the reason why it was delayed is because this, this pandemic hit and it hit everywhere. So it delayed accreditors. It delayed students in certification. It delayed everything, education. So, okay. I mean, that's the main reason why it got delayed by a whole year. Okay. To kind of piggyback off what uh, Sherry just said. So, an accreditation process is this pretty involved. It's pretty hands-on. Mm -hmm. So, accreditors have to travel to the location. They check schools up and down, sideways, you could, you name it. And not only that, they also check clinical sites. And with the travel ban, it just was not possible. So, that's why there was a little bit of a… Okay. So, I also heard that in 2023, every resident who applies for a residency is going to have, whether they have graduated from an accredited school or not. This is apparently a transition phase. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Oh, wow. So 
I mean, it seems like there's just one other reason for a residency program director to reject someone if they're not from an accredited program. And and um, I know, Sherry, there were just so many, you know, situations that our students, not our students, but just generally IMGs had to deal with, with the coronavirus, with changes in the exams and, and stuff like that. Did St. James students get affected at all in this entire process, other than, you know, the fact that we had to change some of the exam schedules beyond that, as far as being certified, taking the steps, and did they get affected at all? And did other schools who weren't accredited, did they have any adverse effects in 2022 uh, or even 2021 and 2020? So during the whole pandemic period, the biggest effect that hit everyone is just the time frame of response to exam requests and scheduling and and uh, testing center closures. That was the biggest impact. There were some exam changes, like, for example, Step 2 CS, that is no longer in existence. So okay. schools then had to change. How do they evaluate their student for that skill? Okay. So, um, but I heard in 2022, or 2021, rather, that schools that weren't accredited couldn't put their students up for residency. Is that right? I believe so, yes, because they're, they're students and they wouldn't be accredited in time for the rule to go in effect. They really couldn't apply either. Okay, so that means for that brief period of time, that one year, ECFMG practically put their this accreditation rule in place as a screening tool because we didn't have step two. Yes. Is, okay, wow. So that means there is a pretty large proportion of students today who were supposedly residency ready, but just couldn't apply because of the, let's just call it for lack of a better term, dishonesty of the administration. Is that right? Absolutely, yes. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, you know, that's really eye-opening. Um, so, you know, just to kind of wrap things up and... Um, just to kind of summarize everything, um, what, how, how easy or difficult is this entire process of accreditation? Is it something that it's like opening a checking account? You go in and put in a social security number, and the next minute you walk out with a $50 checking account, and the bank gives you $200 extra. Is there something like that, or is it a much more involved process? It's a crazy involved process, because okay. this is what happens. I mean, when you start off, and typically this goes for every school, you just don't have any kind of baseline or any guideline on what you're supposed to be doing. It's kind of trial and error. And just like every school that's been accredited up until this point, your biggest, biggest thing that kind of works for you is time. And these schools that are not accredited, timing is kind of off the essence. They only have two years to get their, you know, their whole thing correct. When it comes to medical schools, what happens is that the accrediting body comes in with their set of guidelines and standards, what's called standards, and they check the school and see how you're operating towards those standards. And obviously, there's going to be some standards you're going to be doing fantastics in, and then also there's going to be standards which you need improvement in. And those improvements happen over time. And that's kind of where it's it's a little dawning on me that the fact that these schools haven't started the process. And if the regulation says by 2024 that they have to be fully accredited, I just don't know how could that even be possible. Because again, I don't know how, I mean, we've been going through the accreditation process for a decade nearly now, and we're still going through the process. 
And it's a learning experience. There's no one that just could, you know, turn on a switch and say, all of a sudden, you're magically accredited now. It's a process. It's a hand-holding thing. You, you learn through the process. You make the changes. And you kind of evolve. With a two-year time span, I, I, again, I don't know how this is possible. I'm interested to see how these schools will do it. Okay. Well, I mean, from our information, it kind of seems like there seem to be, um, give or take, more than 50 Caribbean schools in operation. Um, out of that, just by going on the lists from uh, the, the accreditors that you had mentioned earlier, ACCM, NBAO, and CAMHP, there are less than 25 names on those lists. So that means... Do the math. <laughs> it's like 50% of yes. the Caribbean schools don't have any sort of accreditation. And, well, I mean, so, so to sum things up, if you're not, if you do not know who your school's accreditor is, turn tail and run. 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 Is that fair to sum, summarize? Yes. All right. Well, well I mean, uh, I wish we could have ended on a more positive note, but good news for St. James students well, is that you I, don't have I could to... probably give you one final thought. I mean, there is a positive side to this. You know, there are schools that are doing the right things because they want to keep, you know, going and doing the right things for their students. Just look into those schools. Today, research is not that hard. Anybody could do it sitting at home. Just spend the time, know what you're looking for, and just look for those schools that already have put in the sweat, the tear, the blood, yeah. and they're doing things the right way. All you got to do is just select those schools. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Save yourself the headache. Right. I could tell you one thing. ECFMG, if you are looking for a foreign medical school, they have a whole selection page to help you narrow down schools. They're saving grace out oh, there. Wow. Yeah. So ECFMG actually has a resource on their website. They do. Fantastic. We're going to put up that link on our uh, comment sections for anybody who's interested. But uh, thank you guys so much. It was very, very insightful. This is uh, such an eye-opener. These are big changes happening in the medical school industry. And as a student, if you are interested in entering the industry, these are things that you should absolutely know of. And the only place to get it is Med School Minutes, where we talk to industry leaders and industry experts to give you the guidance you need to make a good decision. Thank you so much. And remember, there is absolutely no shortcut to being a doctor. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into our show. We hope you enjoyed another episode of Med School Minutes. If you like our content, please follow us and receive notification when a new show is posted. This podcast is brought to you by St. James School of Medicine. For a video version of this podcast, please check us out on sjsm.org slash video.